A radio show host called Paul Gallant. It's Paul Gallant. Polly G Show. He's the best in Houston. The most interactive sports radio show in Houston. Oh, what's good, my man? How you doing, Paul? What are you doing, Paul? Join the devastation by dialing or texting 713-780-3776. I love the show. Y'all keep it up. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Paul Gallant. You are definitely living in the hindsight world today, Paul. Welcome aboard the John Wilkes Booth Show. I am John Wilkes Booth. Yes, it's true. In media, we will hire anybody who is famous or infamous. And yes, I have been John Wilkes Booth this entire time as brought up on John and Lance this morning. Brock Purdy looks like Lee Harvey Oswald. I guess I look like John Wilkes Booth. We are live. In Las Vegas, by Radio Row from a non-handicapped stall. Sean Mapes is back from a nice little vacation. Sean, the show has been a challenge the, the first couple of days. BMAC and I were trying to get in sync as I do the show from a bathroom stall. So hopefully everything goes smoothly today. Hopefully there will be less double tapping from the stall next to me, there were a couple of people who came in. We, we've had Frank Thomas on the show. We've had Al Pacino, who knocked on the door properly. But we've had some other people who were propositioning me. Oh. Yeah. You wow. know, the, the, the two-step to the side of the stall. Some yeah, people like that, uh, thought the, the guests I was looking for, they, they thought it was like a, like a companion kind of guest. And no, that doesn't happen until... After uh, noon central time, and then I'm on my own time. You can leave that to the imagination. Yeah, it really does suck that we went from uh, from Circa uh, being in a cabana in Circa to now being in a toilet in a uh, nondescript casino. Well, we've got a redhead to uh, thank for that. So, hey, look, we still got back out there. Okay, we are here. And you heard it coming in. That was the best moment of the 2023 season for the Houston Astros. Jose Altuve's three-run home. We're just going to let that person flush. Jose Altuve's three-run homer to give the Houston Astros a lead over the Texas Rangers in Game 5 of the ALCS. It was the last game the Astros would win all year. But the big news yesterday evening... The Astros extended him through 2029 slash for life. Saw that tweet at first and thought to myself, wait a second. If he's only signed through 2029, is Altuve slowly dying? Uh, I I found out that that is uh, a a jump to conclusions on the jump to conclusions mat. Altuve is going to be here, though, through 2029. And this is the very obvious take that we all should be in agreement on. Good. He deserves this. Houston can't have more star players 
finishing their career elsewhere because it's happened too much of late. Maybe not with the Astros. One thing you can credit Drayden McLean for is the previous owner of the Astros is that Jeff Bagwell and Greg Biggio were Astros for life. But take a look at the Rockets. Hakeem Olajuwon. There's pictures of him wearing a Toronto Raptors jersey. I don't care how cool that Toronto Raptors jersey is. I don't care how many times you've seen a Toronto Raptors jersey at a festival from back in the day and said, oh, that's pretty cool. Shouldn't have been on Hakeem Olajuwon. It should never have depurified his skin. And second, you had Andre Johnson finishing his career with not just the Indianapolis Colts, but the Tennessee Titans. Gross. J.J. Watt finished his career with the Cardinals. Maybe a little bit different in football. Maybe a little bit different in basketball. But you got to have arguably the greatest athlete in Houston sports history. It's really between him and Hakeem Olajuwon as a guy who plays for the Houston Astros for his entire career. So, for now, that appears to be happening. I suppose there could be a different conversation in 2029 because Altuve is just 33 years old. Theoretically, he could still be decent when his contract expires and he hasn't quite turned 40. But we'll save that conversation for another day. This is a rather team-friendly deal, a deal that is going to pay him $125 million once it kicks in, $30 million after his contract expires this season in 2025, 2026, and 2027, $10 million in 2028 and 2029. What a guy. What a, what a, what a nice move. Hey, I'm going to stink the last couple of years. Just pay me up front. But if he doesn't stink, will the Astros reward him, Sean? I think they should think about it. If he's still good, yeah. I, I think you got to make good. Yeah, you, I mean, I'm not saying he gets like a, you know, back to thirty million dollars, but yeah, hey, here's here's an extra fifteen. There you go. Can you not, by the way, Sean? Though, do what Buster Olney did because what what you just did right there. What a good guy! I'm taking less money. Can we can we not lick the boots yet? Can we can we wait a little bit to lick the boots? Yeah, I'm just saying he, you know, he he didn't. He didn't have to do it, and he did. Did you see Olney's tweet? No. Oh, my God. It, it is. If, if you start any sentence with, did you see this tweet? I probably didn't. Fair enough. <laughs> Not just about Buster only. The only tweet I saw this weekend was this one about Altuve resigning and Brock Purdy looking like Lee Harvey Oswald. That, that's true. Which is, which, is... Wait, I, which I feel like it's two for two on, on your day off. Yeah, that's definitely two <laughs> great things to see on the internet when you are out. Uh to, to bring it back to that tweet I was referencing with Buster Olney. Olney tweeted this, and my God, it's every baseball owner's wet dream. Jose Altuve had no interest in testing the market. He values what he has, knows he's happy, and has always felt as if he's overpaid to play a game. Oh, yes. He, he plays a kid's game, Paul. Look, that is true. <laughs> Also, it is true that he feels this way. There was a Chandler Rome article in the Houston Chronicle from last year where he basically says all of these things. But, I mean, Buster Olney, who has been part of the media assault on our Houston Lord and Savior, Jose Altuve, 
Here's Buster Olney portraying Jose Altuve as a simple, noble savage. What is this? 1800s literature? Jose Altuve is just thankful for what he has. He doesn't need more. And maybe that's true. But F off, Buster Olney. You were part of the Knives Out Brigade that has gotten us to a point where people look at Jose Altuve and they don't think he's one of the best baseball players of the last 20 years. He's a cheater. He's a cheater. I mean, okay, maybe he did. He was on that team, but it seems like by all accounts that all of his teammates said he was the one guy that wasn't doing it. The one guy who was annoyed when they tried to do it. So Buster Olney all of a sudden saying, you know, Jose Altuve does things the right way. He asks for just enough to survive. It's, a, it's like you're asking for him or implying, which is what baseball owners want, that all players should be happy taking absolutely nothing. And this is the kind of stuff that fans see and they're like, yeah, this is great. And, and then you're going to look at somebody else who wants to get every single dollar he possibly can while well, he still can get those dollars. And you're, you're going to see a bunch of like randomly communist thoughts from people who probably lean right. You know, oh, it's so great that baseball players, because they're playing a kid's game, of course, so great that they, they're not asking for more than they need. Yeah. You know, it's so great to see a, a noble uh, athlete who isn't demanding every single cent. No, he, sh- he should get every cent that he deserves. This, this is very friendly for the Astros, obviously, but I, I hated that tweet from uh, only. If, if Jose Altuve could, if it was... Allowed in the MLB collective bargaining agreement, he would play for a bowl of soup and uh, <laughs> two slices of bread every <laughs> it's, it's every, this, every day. It's so annoying. This is the kind of stuff that they they want reporters to put that out there so that yeah. certain players are the good ones because they just shut up and do what they're told. And okay, there's an element of that that Generation Z clearly needs, but at the same time, can can we can we stop making it seem like the guy's lucky to get paid this when he has done all of the things that Altuve has done in his career? The Astros have had him for a bargain for the majority of his career based off of all of his production, his his leadership, his postseason clutch moments. He's got the second most home runs in postseason history. Second most. This, this is a guy who had the most hits in the American League four years in a row, led the American League in stolen bases. Take a look at how many stats that he's close to the top of the leaderboard for the Astros all-time in. Like, this guy deserved to get paid. And, and here's Buster Olney saying, like, yeah, you know, he, he didn't want any more. He's, he's a simple man. He settled for only $125 million. <laughs> That added element, too. It's interesting that in that tweet. He he took a haircut the last two years, and he'll only be making $10 million to play baseball. I think Olney knew that if he put $125 million in that tweet, that it would have taken a little bit of the, oh, wow, what a a guy. weight out of it. Yeah, it would have. Because you read the tweet, and you're like, wow, he... He accepted seven seventy five an hour to to work to play for the Houston Astros. <laughs> yeah, so he didn't want to stick a knife in his little balloon there. Paul Galacho, ESPN 97.5 and 92.5713-780-3776 to call in to text. And you can join on YouTube, youtube.com slash ESPN Houston. You can also join on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. Uh, OG from H-Town is saying, uh, name... 
the World Series championships. The Angels won with the top two paid players in all of baseball. Trout sure helped his team, huh? Paul, you shouldn't be talking after Brady took under market value for his entire career. Listen, I want Altuve to get paid. I'm just saying it's BS when the reporters who cover the sport carry the water for those owners and make it seem like looking for more money is bad. Listen, we live in a capitalistic, individualistic society. If you're looking to get paid, go and get paid. Looking at you, Rafael Montero, go and get paid. Looking at you, Brock Osweiler. Looking at you, Calvin Cato, get your money. It's not your fault that they're giving you that money. It's not. Get your money. And, hey, look, this deal with Altuve helps the extras out long term, but stop carrying the water of owners, Buster, only. It's disgusting. It's the Paul Gallant Show, ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I'm curious if anybody is looking at this Altuve deal and saying this wasn't a rational move uh, that one smells bad. Uh, we are live from, excuse me, not from, live by Radio Row from a non-handicapped stall. Also up next, Kelvin Sampson rules. It's the Paul Galan Show. Stick around. <laughs> ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Insert random audio clip now. Mr. Campbell, send out a amendment. The amendment is acceptable to the author. Is there objection to the opposite amendment? And the chair has done the amendment. Members adopt it. From a bathroom stall on Radio Row in Las Vegas, it's Paul Galan. Spencer, hang on. We're not on Radio Row. We're by Radio Row. We don't want to get in trouble like the time 790 went to Radio Row but didn't actually dot their I's and cross their T's, okay? We're a professional radio operation. Big news for the Houston Astros is that they gave Jose Altuve an extension through 2029. It's $125 million starting after this season when his contract expires. $30 million the first three years, $10 million the last two. So it's a very team-friendly deal for a guy who we're hoping ages well, but we're not sure he will. He's only 33. He's going to be 39 when this contract expires. You're doing this because you do not want to see Jose Altuve play elsewhere. And there is a very good chance that those last two years are overpays for Altuve. But you don't really have a choice from an optics perspective when it comes to Altuve's future. Here's why. Someone who's seen my favorite team growing up, the Patriots, be rational with my favorite player, my Lord and Savior, Tom Brady. You've got to do the opposite. Being rational, being pragmatic, the Patriot way, Belichick always moving on too early as opposed to too late. That ain't the way when you've got somebody who's been as important to a franchise as Altuve. What's the win if you make the unsentimental 
cold-blooded, cutthroat decision. There's no win. Either you're right, but you look like an a-hole for kicking a legend to the curb, or the other possibility is he goes somewhere else and he's really good. Either way, you're screwed, Sean. And who you replace him with stinks. <laughs> that's, that's also probably true. That's the true. key part about the, the Belichick thing and the Patriots thing is that they, A, could replace the guys, and B, if they couldn't replace the guy, they just replaced him with someone somewhere else and got better somewhere else. You know, like exactly. they they would let Randy Moss walk. Yeah. Let's just get Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Like that's that's kind of what they did. Also, they had Tom Brady the entire time. Who, if you're thinking of analogs between the Patriots and the Astros, it would be Brady and Altuve. Altuve's been here the whole time, yeah, since 2011. And I still remember in 2014 doing a TV show on CSN Houston, RIP. Crazy to think that was 10 years ago. And we discussed a quote by Jose Altuve who felt that the future of the Astros was bright and that that future wasn't that far away. And anybody who saw that quote at first, seeing as the Astros had sucked, not only towards the end of their time in the National League, remember the Carlos Lee days to Chad Qualls days, first couple of years with Bo Porter as manager. At least the uniforms were better than those brick red atrocities. But when they go from Drayden McClain to Jim Crane, they sucked so bad. It's crazy to think about it, but no one cared at all. And I don't blame anyone for not caring. We were told at the Texans flagship that, hey, don't talk about them. And, and I think it was smart. But then all of a sudden, from 2014, when he says those things about the future, to 2015, next thing you know, they're in a one-game playoff against the New York Yankees. They win that one-game playoff. And if not for a rough couple of moments from reliever Will Harris, they might have beaten in four games the eventual World Series champion Kansas City Royals. It, it started with Altuve. This is, this is where it all began. And I do not ever want to see him in another uniform. You should feel the exact same way. I'm sure there are some some armchair general managers and some dorks who are who are doing well actually right now. Save it. Save it. The thing is though, like Altuve's still good. Like that too. <laughs> Altuve's last year was what, the second best hitter on the Astros? He was injured half the year, and yet you take a look at his numbers and you would think to yourself, wait, did he did he play the majority of the year? And then you project what his numbers would have been over 162 games. It was one of the best seasons that he's had in a really long time with the exclamation point at the very end, Sean, coming into the show. You heard the home run that he had in Game 5 against the Rangers. I mean, he played great this year. Yeah, that that's where the... The, you know, well, you want to get off a guy before he starts to stink. It's like he hasn't, he hasn't even like started to show the no, slowdown. Not even, a, not even close. Maybe, maybe not as good in the field, but who cares about that? Who cares? That? Yeah. Who cares he, about that? He plays second base. Right. Not, not like he's a shortstop. Like exactly. That. And he's a damn good hitter still. Yeah. Hopefully that continues. Paul Galancho, ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. We have to do a special episode of, Coog's watch after 
the University of Houston's game against Oklahoma State last night. Coogs watch. Huzzah! Our beloved Coogs. They call them five slamma jammer. 2024. <laughs> I love Calvin Sampson so much. The Cougs beat Oklahoma State last night, 79-63. They're back in first place by themselves because Kansas, who beat the Cougs, they lost on Tuesday. Or, excuse me, they lost on uh, Monday. So, Cougs are back in first place in the Big 12. That's nice. But also, Kelvin Sampson got tossed from a game where his team was up 20 points in the second half. And insert joke about Big 12 referees, but I just like that Kelvin Sampson is the kind of hardo who, like, the best coach in sports movie history, Jack Riley, the coach of the evil Hawks, I say evil in quotation marks. The Hawks were the true heroes of that movie. Gordon Bombay, a booze bag alcoholic lawyer uh, who who loved to cheat the rules so he could win, win, win. You know, he wasn't really following the the true idea of what Jack Riley, the coach of the Hawks, was teaching. He sucked. Jack Riley, though, this is a guy who demanded the best from his Pee Wee players and. Even when the score was decided, he was calling for more. Remember, it's not worth winning if you can't win. What a line. So there you go. It's the Paul Gallant Show, ESPN, 97.5 and 92.5. I love seeing that from Kelvin Sampson. And Sampson after, I mean, <laughs> my God. Fantastic moment in the press conference where someone asked him, like, hey, what happened there? And he says, what, you want me to get fined $25,000? You're going to pay someone that $25,000 fine? Just power moves all over the court and off the court as well. Up next, seeing as we are live by Radio Row from a non-handicapped stall, Mike Lombardi, three-time Super Bowl winning NFL executive, a former general manager and host of the Lombardi line on VSIN, is going to join us. We'll talk about the Super Bowl. Why the hell are the 49ers still favorites? And we're going to force some Texans questions in there, complete with mob references. Paul Galancho, stick around. ESPN 97.5 on Twitch. We control the spice. It is by the juice of Sapu that thoughts acquire speed, the lips acquire stains, the stains become a warning. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. If you want to gamble, do it from a bathroom stall on Radio Row in Las Vegas. It's Paul Galan. That's right. We are live, not on Radio Row, but by Radio Row in a non-handicapped bathroom stall. Because we would never do that. We've snuck into Radio Row and we're getting all, all the big names. And I'm very happy to be joined by a guy who I very much enjoy whenever he's making appearances, talking about football on podcasts and radio hits everywhere. He is Michael Lombardi, a former NFL general manager, a three-time Super Bowl-winning 
NFL executive and host of the Lombardi line on VEASAN. Michael, great to hear from you again. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Paul. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Absolutely. So before I force Texans questions on you, because that's that's what we end up having to do uh, when we are live by Radio Row, can you explain, as somebody who's in Vegas, why the hell Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are once again underdogs? Uh, I can't really. I mean, if you go back and watch the last two games, uh, you know, Kansas City's played their best football since Christmas Day. And frankly, since Christmas, San Francisco hasn't played their A game. But I think a lot of times you have to understand the betting market. And I think that the betting market is, we always see the betting market as who's going to win the game and, you know, who's the favorite and all that. They're trying to get even money spread. If they would have made the Chiefs the favorite, their power ranking, most of the odds makers' power ranking is, is predicated on year long. And I think their power ranking, they clearly had the 49ers as the better team. Now, they're not playing better now, but look, don't, don't confuse these guys that make the odds. Uh, and not knowing what they're doing because there's a reason they made them. And here's the other reason. The line opened briefly at three for a second. It got all the way down to one and a half, and now it's staying pretty much at two. So there's a reason why. And if it was a if it was a horrible line, it would have gotten adjusted, and it hasn't gotten that yet. The funny part's going to be after the Super Bowl, there can be some Kansas City Chiefs players who pull a – uh, Rodney Harrison after Super Bowl 38, who famously after the Patriots had won like 15 games in a row, said, man, nobody believed in us, referring to when they had started the season a little bit slow. There will be some Chiefs players who now can say nobody believed in us when everybody believes in them because they got Mahomes. Yeah, I know. And Mahomes is saying it, too. I mean, he loves <laughs> it. He loves that battle cry. I mean, you know, and look, it works. It's a good thing. It works. It, it, it's it's something that can motivate the players and motivate the team. And, you know, I, I think ultimately, you know, it's kind of, it's really how do you play, how do you match up, what's the strategy of the game, all that stuff that comes into it. These are two really good teams. I mean, look, let's face it, the Chiefs for most of the season didn't play to a high, high level. I mean, Christmas Day, they, 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 they allow a team to beat them that didn't even get a completed pass after the first quarter. So, I mean, there is some, there are some areas where the Chiefs haven't been great. Starting with, let's go to the Buffalo game. I mean, Buffalo had the ball for 37 minutes. Buffalo had three drives with 18 first downs in. And so, you know, there's vulnerability, and I think we're not seeing it because we are always about what we saw last. We are always about the last game, and the Chiefs were great. But there is more to it than that. Michael Lombardi, three-time Super Bowl-winning NFL executive and host of the Lombardi Line on VSIN, joining us on the HR&P Guest line. Okay, I got to ask Texans-related questions. I like getting the outsider perspective, especially seeing as, for us, it's been a hell of a ride over the past couple of months watching C.J. Stroud go from where he was during the preseason to where he was at the very least against the Cleveland Browns. Things a lot more difficult for him against the Baltimore Ravens. Where would you rank him, Michael, among the top quarterbacks in the NFL today, February 7th, 2024? Well, I mean, his first, the first play of the first game he played, the New England preseason game, when he wouldn't throw the out over to the other sideline, mm-hmm. you were like, oh, my God. You know, you're worried. Oh, what, what's going on here? And then his development and improvement 
was incredible. It was sensational. And it and it, and you got to be nothing but respectful about it. But I think the other thing is you got to understand is he's going to continue to get better because from what we've learned about the kid, and you know, is he's a hard worker. He wants to be great. He wants to improve. And when you have that kind of energy and you have that kind of commitment and you have that kind of willingness to not settle, you know, Vince Lombardi's great line is simply this. The opportunity to do the greatest reward for doing is the opportunity to do more. And CJ has a chance to do much more. I'm with you there. We're all very optimistic about the future. But they did run into a brick wall in the Baltimore Ravens in that season-ending loss in the divisional round against Baltimore. Based on what you saw in that game, what is it that the Texans need to take that next step to join the top dogs in the AFC, the Bengals with a healthy Joe Burrow, obviously the Chiefs, the Bills, and Baltimore? Well, I think to me the uh, the next step is just to get healthy, improve the uh, improve both lines, you know, and and continue to develop, get more skill. I mean, it's just really when you have a rookie quarterback, a quarterback on a rookie contract. I mean, you know, the it's wide open for you. And if you go back to what wins games, offensive and defensive linemen, you know, making sure you have enough skill, but don't invest overly in skill. So. I think it's a great opportunity for them just to get better, and I think ultimately they will. Mike Lombardi with me on the HR&P guest line. So speaking of those moves that they're going to make, Nick Casario is a guy that you worked with in New England, and this is a guy who is now running the show. Things have changed as far as people's thoughts on him over the course of the last calendar year. A good draft can do that. I, I don't know if you'd call this a the fans a heist, but what he was able to do in the draft and not just getting Stroud and trading a lot for Will Anderson, but getting Tank Dell and some other players later. He did a really good job. I, I'm curious, though, you, you mentioned, hey, you got a quarterback on a rookie contract and the Texans do have some cap space. They have some guys that they're going to have to bring back this offseason. Given what you know about Casario and, and, and both having been in that Patriots building, do you expect a spending spree by Casario in free agency, or is that something that he might be sort of coded into his DNA from that time up in Foxborough? We're going to stay away from doing the big moves. Well, I think if you know anything about you know free agency, whether you're in New England or not, it really comes down to accurately assessing the value, right? You've got to be really good at assessing the value. And I think Nick will do a good job with that. And if he does that, then it will lead him to the best players. Look, the one thing that we've learned in the NFL through free agency is when you reward a guy with a huge contract, sometimes they don't play to the level that you rewarded them to. So I think ultimately that's what's got to happen. You've got to be really careful. You've got to be smart, judicious, and, and make the right investment and be willing to say no a few times just because you, you understand that it's going to be really hard to get a player in that in the right value. It's really, there's two things in the evaluation process that no one talks about. Everybody just talks about the evaluation. However, the contract is really important too because if the contract's bad, you can't keep the player. Michael Lombardi with me. Okay, I, I know you love mob movies. I love mob movies. The Sopranos as well. It's basically like a you know six-season mob movie. I, I, I'm going to force you to do some things here, okay? On the spot, if C.J. Stroud was a mob movie or TV show character, who would he be? 
Oh, boy, that's a great question. C.J. Stroud, I see C.J. Stroud a little bit like uh, D.B. Van Zandt. I see him a lot like the Consigliere and, and Tony Soprano's Consigliere, quiet, deadly, you know, Sylvia. I, I think he, he has this perception that he's quiet, not kind of unassuming, but he can do some really tough things when he needs to do it. So I think Sylvia, and I think he's been able to give great advice to the organization and make them and, and, and understand how it is to win. So I would say Sylvia from the Sopranos. That's when I thought it was out there. Pull me back in. I love it. All right. D'Amico Ryan's as a mob movie or TV show character. Who you got? D'Amico, I, I think D'Amico's a lot like Tom Hagen from The Godfather. Quiet, strong. You know, maybe you think he's not a wartime consigliere, but he probably could be. Uh, and I think he's able to rally the people around him, and he's very loyal. I like this. We got we have rational figures on the Houston Texans. There is no uh, Santino. There is no Sonny Corleone. Uh, there is no uh, Tommy DeVito from Goodfellas. This is good. We're in a good spot here. I like this. Well, I mean, I think to me, one of the things you got to understand is you got to understand that. Um, you know, being a great head coach in the NFL, if if, if D'Amico, you know, we we're asked you asked me the question about CJ, does he improve? How does he improve? To me, if it's the other question you have to ask, will D'Amico improve? How will he grow? How will he play better? And I think when he does that, I think to me he has to grow as a coach. And if he does, the sky's unlimited to him. And we always talk about the players improving, but I think ultimately Every coach has to continue to improve and work on their game. And if you're curious and you become more of a strategist, right? Right now, D'Amico calls all the defenses, right? But at some point, he's going to have to be a head coach. And he's going to have to be the strategist and put the way and put a game plan together to win the game in three dimensions. And that's when you take that giant step. And I think he's capable of doing it. But, you know, a lot of times they're not always, always trained how to do that. I'm curious, Mike, with that in mind, the differences between Bill Belichick, who you worked with in, in Cleveland, versus when you were working with him again in New England. Obviously, D'Amico's a bit different because this is a guy who, who played in the NFL not too long ago, and the game has changed definitely a bit. But what was the biggest difference between Bill Belichick in Cleveland when you were there with him and Bill Belichick in New England all those years later? Not one thing. Not one thing. The <laughs> Not one thing at all. Everybody wants to believe there was something. There's just not one thing. He was great then, and he's great now. And he's always been great, and he'll always be great. You know, he had, obviously we had one winning season there in Cleveland. The guy moved the team on us, which, which wasn't good. But we also had, you know, we also had a really good team that went on to eventually a lot of the key players we had on our team helped the Baltimore Ravens win a championship. So, uh, we were on to something. He just didn't, we just didn't get enough time, but not one bit. The program that he started in Cleveland is exactly the program that stood and won all those Super Bowls. Uh, Mike, I got one last question for you then, and, and this is coming from a guy who used to sit up in Section 318 at, at Gillette Stadium who honestly like worships Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick. I, I'm shocked that nobody hired Bill Belichick this coaching cycle. What do you think it was that, I guess, gave the team like the Falcons pause and say, all right, we're going to go hire Raheem Morris instead? Well, I think a lot of it is protect your desk. I think a lot of it is, look, we're just not going to, uh, you know, we don't want to change what we're doing. 
And because of that, I think ultimately that's what you found into. I mean, look, you can't say, tell your fan base you're committed to winning and, and keep the same front office that won 21 games over the last few years. Great point. He is Michael Lombardi. You can catch him on the Lombardi line on VSIN, former general manager, three time Super Bowl winning NFL executive, and mob movie and TV show expert. Michael, appreciate your time. Let's do it again, man. Oh, thank you so much, Paul. He is Michael Lombardi. Check out the podcast on the Paul Galan Show podcast, Apple and Spotify. Paul Galan Show, we are live by Radio Row from a non handicapped stall in beautiful Las Vegas. Nevada. Jose Altuve gets the big extension to stay with the Astros, quote, for life if you want to weigh in on that. And while the Rockets lost last night, you got to be excited about the future of this team. I'll tell you why. Stick around. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Pitter patter. Well, pitter patter. Let's get at her. Back to the Paul Gallant Show, coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. El Tude has just sent the Astros to the World Series! The only people cheesing harder than Aroldis Chapman there was everybody living in the 713. Am I right, folks? (laughs) Jose Altuve is a Houston Astro for life, at least as framed by the Houston Astros. They signed him through 2029, a five-year extension worth $125 million. The last two years of that contract, when he's going to be 38, 39 years old, are worth $10 million. The first three years of the contract worth uh, 30 annually. So, while we talk about Jose Altuve, there are some interesting things that were said at a press conference to announce said signing about, I want to say, like 30 minutes ago, courtesy of uh, Brian McTaggart of MLB.com. A couple of interesting notes. One, Scott Boris was there. Kind of surprising Scott Boris is there on such a team-friendly deal for an all-time baseball legend. Do you want to co-sign this deal if you're a super agent, Scott Boris? This is one of those deals where you took the L because you have a high-profile client, one of the best players in recent baseball history. And, I mean, Sean, you didn't really get him that much. I, I mean, to to spin it, he, the best agent does what his client wants him to do. And so he proved, Scott Boris did, that he's versatile. Not only can he play hardball, he can also play softball, too. That doesn't really work. <laughs> I like it. I don't care. I you like know, it. You know what I mean. Yeah. He can, he can, he can take the pennies that uh, Jose Altuve wanted and... And be like, okay, how about how about $127 million instead? Or $125 million instead? More from the press conference. General Manager Dana Brown was there saying, Jose Altuve is the heartbeat of this organization. And he's an Astro for life. Blah! Actually said, yeah. 
I, I'm uncomfortable with this Astro for Life business. I am too. Because it's only a five-year contract. Right. I'm with you here. It, it, it's a five-year contract, guys. It's not for life, all right? I don't, I don't want... He's not even 40 at the end of the contract. There's a very good chance that we are having this exact same conversation on the Paul Gallant show in 2029, assuming that God, the world still not. exists. <laughs> what? Why do you hope not? You don't want to be with me for the next five to six years? Ha- having the same exact conversation? No. <laughs> you don't want to do that again? No. Why not? Should the Rockets trade Jalen Green <laughs> again? Oh, my God. Uh, more from Jose Altuve. To the Houston fans, we play this game and we try to win for you. I feel really, really happy, proud, and blessed. Houston is my home. I have two homes. I grew up in Venezuela, my country. Every time I go there, I tell my wife, let's go home. And when I come back, I say, let's go home. Well, I think he's saying let's go home more when he's in Venezuela, seeing as that has, uh, let's just say, gotten worse over the last couple of years. Also interesting tidbit from Altuve. He said when he got called up in 2011, they told me it was something temporary until they find another second baseman. They put that chip on his shoulder. Ouch. Yeah. Do, who do we blame for that one? That's the during the previous regime yeah. of Astros baseball. I, was Bo Porter the manager at that point? I'm not sure if Porter I was uncharted. I think so. I want to say it was somebody else. I think you only got three years, and oh. Hinch was started in 15. The only thing I remember, Sean, from the old Houston Astros from 2011 through 2014, once that season was done, was that Ozzie Guillen told me to grow the bleep yeah. up, mother bleeper. Like, that's legitimately it. I'll, I'll be honest. I can't remember anything else. I, I, and, and Carlos Lee was fat. Also, Chad Qualls. I don't, I don't really I I associate Carlos Lee with the, with the like, 09 kind of, like, where they're still trying to compete but just can't. <laughs> so they're, they're spending a lot of money to win 70 games every year. I mean, look, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? A lot. A lot is wrong with that. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, at least he's getting paid. At least, he's, at least he knows his worth. Right, exactly. Uh, more, more, more comments. Listen, it wasn't no, his Caballo. fault. It wasn't his fault they gave him that contract. They gave him the contract. This is capitalism, baby. They paid him. They got to pay him. Uh, more comments from Jose Altuve on playing for another team, the possibility when people say it's your last year, you kind of think about it. But my wife and I have a lot of conversations, especially about not taking shirts off. The best case scenario was always here. I come back every day after a night game and see my daughter sleeping and get up the next day and take them to school. So I, I guess this was something that never really crossed his mind. Also, Altuve believes his teammates are family. I see Jordan sitting next to Craig. I can call him one of my good friends. I see Jeremy over here. I see Hensley. We're a family and it means a lot. Family. I play for them and the fans. Are we also family? And it means so much. They're here supporting me on a day like this. Can you go through the names of the players again? The names were Jeremy Pena. Okay. Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. David Hensley. What a huge moment for David. David Hensley has two absolutely iconic moments of... Out, like out kicking his coverage. Well, hang on. As far as far as his on field production, 
being mentioned in the same breath as uh, World Series MVP Jeremy Pena mm-hmm. and Houston icon, and then also Jordan Alvarez, who hit the home run to win the World Series yeah. in 2022. Also, the guy who hugged uh, Megan the Stallion on opening day last year. That, that and, and David Hensley, the guy who had the uh, clutch walk. That is true. In the 2022 that playoffs that set Jordan Alvarez up. I guess he he, he has a lot of, lot of big moments that don't involve swinging a bat. Yeah. <laughs> you also got David Hensley. I cannot wait what you're going to say here. The drip that he wore to the 2022 Houston Sports Awards. Again. Yo, he looked so hot. Again, not swinging a bat. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he was swinging a bat all oh right. He could have been swinging a bat. What? He looked good. He looked good. We're allowed to compliment men for being men. We're allowed to compliment Drake. By the way, we're in a non-handicapped stall yeah, by Radio and, Row. And Paul's looking at everyone. In Las Vegas, stock. Nevada. I'm in a stall. No one has tapped their foot in the last 30 minutes, and it's kind of bummed me out a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. That one, that one was, uh, let's just say it was... It required a lot of effort from uh, the guy next door. So shout out, shout out to that guy. Shout out to you. Good job. Did you bring wipes? You're just not going to talk to me as you wash your hands? No? You're going to leave? All right. It is the Paul Galan Show, ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Guys, we will talk eventually about something awesome that the Houston Rockets did. But for the most part today, we are going to talk about the Houston Astros giving Jose Altuve what he's due. First, let me tell you about my friends at Pendleton Whiskey. I know what Altuve is going to do with the money that he got to stay with the Astros for life. I bet he's thinking to himself, you know what? (laughs) That Paul Gallant guy, what a rascal doing a show from a bathroom stall in Vegas by Radio Row. He's probably got some Pendleton with him right now. That's right. I'm a cowboy. I went out to Las Vegas to do a radio show by Radio Row without the express written consent of a certain league that has a big old game happening on Sunday. That was me. It's because I drink Pendleton whiskey. True Western tradition, unlocking my inner cowboy at every single turn by pouring myself my usual Pendleton original, one big old rock, two fingers. It's got incredibly smooth flavor. It's rich. It's barrel-aged in oak, Oregon's Mount Hood water that's in it as well, made with the finest northern grains. It's Pendleton whiskey. It's true Western tradition. ESPN 97.5. God listens to us, too. Zerline Esungranator. 